What's up, everyone? This is Mitch from RespectMoreReason.com, back with another episode of the RMR Podcast. We're running on back-to-back episodes today, and back-to-back episodes featuring PNW Concentrate Companies. I got Seth Shamberg of Fugu Farms out here in Washington. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm doing great. I really appreciate the, the time, my friend. I, I was giving you your flowers before we started. I'll give them to you publicly. You know, Fugu has been one of the hottest concentrate rosin brands in the state of Washington. You guys have absolutely exploded over the last year. Um, you know, I see people drooling over the the products on Instagram, but a lot of the a lot of the growers and the you know a lot of my friends. I, I've been inside the last few years. I haven't been out with the public, but a lot of my friends are within the industry, and so. A lot of people at a lot of different companies are uh, really putting a lot of respect on your guys' name right now. I'm stoked to hear it, man. That's really awesome. Blessed. Um, I kick off each one of these episodes with my guest origin story with cannabis, uh, uh, you know, personally or professionally, whatever you feel vulnerable sharing. So I'm just curious, kind of, Seth, when you when it started with cannabis and, and kind of your, your journey within that. Got it. It is a long story, and I'll try and you know keep it somewhat brief. Um, you know, I first smoked pot when I was pretty young. I think a couple of weeks before my 12th birthday or something like that. Uh, you know, in Washington State, everybody's friend or family friend or whomever is either dealing or growing pot, right? So kind of grew up surrounded by it. I think the first plants that uh, me and some neighborhood buddies uh, started growing were in a my buddy's grandpa's upstairs closet uh, when we were like 15, 16 years old. We were using uh, boiled down molasses and ash out of the backyard. We actually, uh, I, somebody may or may not have yanked a couple of uh, ballasts from the school gymnasium and we were growing <laughs> under those uh, for a few years. I got to try to find those pictures, but we, we actually did some pretty, you know, looking back, some pretty good shit under that. Um, you know, I was a high school dropout, uh, sold quite a bit of pot when I was younger. Um, and then I, you know, made a change to kind of try to refocus into doing something conventional. I uh, went back to school for chemical engineering and sciences. I, you know, don't want to talk that up too much. I didn't make it very far. Um, I did all right, but I, I was yanked on by another family friend, um, who, ran a distribution company out of Snohomish um, to come out and work for him. It promised me a fancy sports car within a few years. Uh, still, unfortunately, don't have my sports car. <laughs> but uh, it was a great experience, um, really great guy. You know, I walked in there when I was young. Nobody would, you know, bat an eye at me. I think I was like 19 when I first walked in there and probably looked like I was 12. Um, and he kind of took me under his wing. Uh, we were doing uh, product distribution and fertilizer development down there. Um, he taught me probably most of what I know about growing pot. Um, the company's name was Stubers, and we were trying to do Parlux distribution. Uh, there's a bunch of unfortunate circumstances surrounding that that business, uh, and it eventually crashed. Um, cost everybody involved, myself included, a lot of money. Uh, but he he had at that time had me doing you know distribution underneath him as a subsidiary as well as, uh, you know, back then people would come in and wait two hours to talk to him. Um, and he had trained me well enough at the point where you came in and you talked to me before you ended up talking to him. This is a guy in his seventies who'd been doing it forever. Um, he had me making really good money um, when I was very young, you know, early twenties was going out and consulting on, uh, on gigs for like $150 an hour. Um, mm -hmm. and 
you know, was, was out having a lot of fun. Unfortunately, the business didn't do as well. Um, at the time, I had another uh, business partner who I kind of, you know, grew up alongside, um, got introduced uh, to the guys up at the, the mothership, um, glass company, and uh, worked with them for quite a few years. Uh, he did a lot of glass, my partner, a lot of glass distribution for them. Um, obviously, you know, everybody knows mothership. They've blown up to be the premier uh, glass company. Um, those guys are still great friends of mine. I go up there as often as I possibly can. Uh, they've shown me an immense amount of love and support throughout my entire journey, which I got to give them a shout out for that. Scott, Isaac, um, Brandon, the whole team up there. Um, and after that, you know, I, I did some work on a few, uh, both consulting and full-time work on a few medical warehouses. Um, nothing really stuck, unfortunately. You know, this industry is a hard one. I'm sure, you know, I don't have to tell you or anybody listening to this that uh, a lot of the people here are, are kind of out of their mind, you know, um, and don't always stick to the agreements that are being made or, you know, value others' uh, time or energy. It is what it is, you know, and I've got no reservations against anybody. It's just fact of life, you know, and where we were at in the industry. Did that through the medical days. Um, watched the transition into the rec market. Uh, went to work for a couple of rec companies, um, helping friends, you know, get their thing going. And you know, same thing, trying to do some consulting. Uh, nothing really stuck as far as a permanent home went. Um, and then a good friend of mine kind of saw what I was going through, knew I was a hard worker, and you know, I always stuck to my half of deals for what it's worth. Um, and he gave me the opportunity to come work on a family business that he had that had, you know, crashed because people weren't, you know, the family wasn't able to get along, uh, make decisions together. Um, and so I got in there, I uh, worked my butt off, you know, for a few years, got their business turned around. Um, they gave me uh, half of that business um, and we're still working on the, them with the rest of it currently. Uh, then the landlord in that same building, um, recognized the work that I was doing. I would help his son, give him free advice um, as, you know, way of, you know, uh, improving my relationship in the building and with the landlord as well as, you know, his son's a great guy too. I got to shout him out. Um, Wes, you're an awesome dude. You helped me more than most people in getting this all off the ground. So thank you too. Um, and his father had a processing license uh, that was going up for grabs. Um, told me that I could start working on that and he would draw up terms. And so, you know, from there, I was able to get the processing side of it up and running. Um, and on the other side, I kind of just knew that I could grow pot the way we were going about doing it in a mar you know, in a way that created a margin of just doing wholesale work. And so that's the way it started. And I got into the processor, was able to process and do like, you know, wholesale bulk rosin um, from there and slowly kind of, you know, increase the capability of the business um and then up until the point where in the last november we came to retail with fugu um and that's been like i was telling you i consider myself immensely blessed my team immensely blessed um we just have had a lot of great success and attention in the market and uh, as much as i would love to tell everybody that i think that we've got the best product um, in the 502 or you know in the world for that matter uh, i try not to have that be our prerogative um, we just do the best that we can in our own house 
and I'll be the first to admit, you know, nothing's ever perfect. You know, I don't have an immense amount of money backing me on anything. Uh, so every step that we take um, is hard fought for, for me and the team. And, you know, same thing. I got to shout out my team. I'm definitely not a one-man army as much as, I, you know, getting the guy who gets to come on podcasts and talk and, and have, go out and have fun, you know, conducting meetings and dinners with, with uh, business owners and what have you. Um, I'm, I'm blessed because I've got a hardest working crew in the game that are that have my back 24-7, you know. Had COVID last week, out all week, uh, traveling for family and weddings, you know, the rest of the month. This month has been a complete mess, you know, the events and everything going on. And uh, my crew's held down as if I'd never existed. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's been awesome, man. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the origin to date, man. That's that's fire. No, and that's and that's a great story, and it makes sense, right? I was telling you right before we started for you guys to start in November and to begin the the, the steam that you get. Like, I don't, people talk about how competitive cannabis is, but when you look at Washington, you know we're shortly behind Colorado in terms of having rec cannabis. We've had recreational cannabis since 2016. The market is pretty well established. It's very competitive. None of the big MSOs have looked to enter Washington because of how competitive it is. And so someone like yourself to start a craft brand this far into legalization with how competitive it is and to get the success that you guys have, I was telling you, like, that's a great achievement. But obviously, as you would discuss, you know, discussed in your origin story, there was obviously a foundation and groundwork and maybe a couple stories of a multiple story house were built before before last November. No, I'd say so. We um I'm very fortunate. I've managed to create some really good relationships. You know, the guys that work for me too um, have a lot of existing great relationships as well. And so, uh, you know, it was kind of long anticipated as we were gearing up to go to the market. And um, just, you know, honestly, it was still well past what my wildest dreams of what I thought we were going to be able to do when we hit. You know, the fact that we're getting calls from retailers saying that it's first time in their store's history, they've got a couple of people lining up on the day that we drop, you know, prior to them opening. It's mind-blowing, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's just so freaking cool it, it's, uh, it's that people care that much about getting the stuff that we produce. And I just don't want to let nobody down, man. That's why we're, we're out here grinding and trying to, you know, just improve every day. I love that. What, what goes into, you know, like putting rosin out, Right. Or any sort of concentrate. Sometimes, you know, rosin is one of those ones where you can't mask it as much as like some other concentrates where you can have not as good an input. Right. But I was just the last guest. I just told them, you know, that that slogan you hear fire in, fire out. You know, there's this this simple equation. You put good stuff in, you have good stuff coming out. But when it comes to rosin, like so you can even have good stuff and not get a good yield or not. The terps don't come through when you make rosin or whatever, right? There's, you can still have good input and not get the desire. It's not necessarily bad output, but not the desired output. What are some of those things that you feel like have to be in congruence for something to pass your test in terms of like, yeah, this is, this is a strain that we want to run with more. Right. I appreciate the question. So um, like you said, it, it's tough because you can have good material, you know, at the start, you know, after a harvest and some batches don't come out the same as others. Um, at the end of the day, so we've, you've got strains that produce, you know, trichomes at different structures, right? Um, there's a couple of tests that we have as far as testing whether the material sticky, gritty, or greasy. We're trying to stay away from greasy material for the most part, um, you know, when looking at it on the plant still. 
uh, that's one telltale sign that it may not do well in the wash. Um, generally, if something's you know washing at sub one or two percent, it probably isn't going to press, and it's probably not going to make good product um, as it is uh, inherently for whatever reason that is. Uh, the trichomes just don't make good hashes and therefore good rosin. Um, but we have a slightly more extensive set of checklists um, that material has to pass before it'll go out under a FUBU brand uh, label necessarily. Um, you know, the material has to uh, wash at least decently. It has to cure decently. It has to have a good profile nose um, and taste and the consistency it has to be on point you know there are times where we will send out a menu to retailers and let them know like hey we're going to have you know five grams of this ten grams of that coming to your shop for this drop we might have five strains that are on that list um, for that upcoming release and we'll get to the way we do it is that menu gets sent out while things are still in cure because i uh, as we're going to market um, the days leading up to that are material coming out of cure, material getting packaged, um, logistics getting set, you know, product getting delivered, and then our drop date right after that, right? And so I we haven't had the final checks on the box, you know, prior to that menu going out uh, for understanding that everything's going to be proper, right? And so we've definitely had, I think, at least three circumstances now um, where we pulled something out of cure and uh, maybe it comes out dry or the profile doesn't come in like it should, uh, where we'll just yank that product off the menu. Um, and with that being said, you know, we're, we are not um, perfect and, you know, mis things happen. There will be jars that go out, you know, with a potential issue or a dot or maybe somebody doesn't get the experience um, that they feel they want. We try to work with the retailer at that point to do whatever we can to, you know, make sure that we don't leave any unsatisfied customers, which I think is also um, a big part of hopefully why we're able to maintain the reputation we're creating right now. Uh, but I, we do do our best to make sure that everything checks all of the boxes before going out under a FUBU label. I'd just as well sell it wholesale for people to put into joints and edibles into their own lines of you know, whatever they choose to. Um, but we try not to let anything go out under the FUGU label or FUGU brand that doesn't reach all, check all the boxes and reach a certain standard. Yeah, that, that, that quality control is crucial. And I like that you, I mean, that you humbly put, it's not, nothing's going to be perfect because that's just the way it is. There's always going to be mistakes. I mean, you know, I always make basketball references. Steph Curry's the greatest shooter of all time, and that man misses six out of ten shots he takes. So I'm not saying you guys are missing six out of ten things, but still even, even the best of the best is, you know, nobody's hitting 100%, 100% of the time, and it's all about, uh, you know, making it right to to the consumer. How how do you guys approach, or do you guys, when you guys do run material from certain farms, do you approach those like under your label as a collab, or do you allow other people to collab with Fugu, or do things just go out under Fugu and then you make stuff for other people as well? Yeah, no problem. So we do do toll processing uh, for a number of brands um, that are out there. Uh, with that being said, um, you know, and we also do a little bit of uh, farm management as well. We have another company that kind of works as an extension of Fugu to help uh, facilitate proper farming practices and quality control of material as it's making its way through. Um, and some of that material does make its way to Fugu um, or 
uh, it may get sold, you know, wholesale under um, other brands. Um, but with that being said, uh, it has we we won't put out anything under the Fugu House label um, that wasn't processed and managed by our team, uh, you know, our management team effectively. Um, with that being said, we do do toll processing for other companies for their brands, but we've established the same checklist. Um, if you want to co-brand your product with us, uh, it needs to hit certain standards. Um, and we're continuing to refine everything. Like I said, you know, uh, try to make it as perfect as possible, but, you know, sometimes slip ups, especially when working with, you know, a couple of different companies and lots of moving parts um, do happen, but uh, nothing that gets Cobra branded doesn't go past our checklist as well. At least that's what we, you know, try to, you know, assure that standard. Um, if something does, we told process something and uh, it doesn't hit those boxes, um, you know, they're more than happy to, more than welcome to turn it out under their package if they like, but we don't uh, allow for co-branding if that's the case. Um, if yeah. it doesn't, doesn't reach that standard. Um, it's it's got to have the standard to get the name on there. True, right. But nothing out of the box, the Fugu Farms house box uh, comes from any farm that isn't directly managed by the, our staff. Got it. What And then what, what's your guys's, I know it varies from, from store to store, but what's your guys's price out the door per, per gram? Uh, it's $75 retail. And I know okay. that, you know, obviously you've got discount sets, you know, different Saturdays or, you know, it, regions, you know, will give discounts. So I, I think it sells, you know, a lot of places sometimes even around like 50 to 55 on the days that we drop for the day after or something like that. Yeah, I, I just I like to ask that because for the for the heads out there in other markets, you know, that's that's what it's some top, top, top here. Uh, Washington is going for. I know it price varies from market to market. We're seeing some stuff in states over a hundred dollars a gram, uh, you know, which is which is pretty crazy. But and we're hoping to honestly, you know, play around with uh, some new products and some new SKUs, different levels of uh, hash rosin, as well as even doing some full melt here in the near future um that you know we may go a little bit up in price you know certain cultivars uh don't process well don't grow easily um you know one notably is the manischewitz i'm not sure if you've had a chance to you know uh, give it a try yet we've only done one release with it in the market um it's a very unique uh profile um can range from blue raspberry uh jolly ranchers to um, almost a wine flavor to it, um, grape syrup flavor to it. Uh, it seems to be one that people really um, enjoy, uh, but it only yields, you know, usually on average between two and a quarter and two and three quarters percent. Mm. Um, the plant itself is incredibly difficult to grow. I swear it would grow like a vine and grow down off of my trays if I allowed it to. Um, so in the future that, you know, maybe one of those very limited, you know, pieces that we, you know, alter our uh, uh, entry to market with, if you will. But, and, you know, I kind of let the the guys, you know, round table that stuff and, and make decisions. So, yeah. And, and that's funny. I, I've every grower I know has or, or every brand has some product that they love, but whether they're selling flour or hash, it doesn't yield right enough to like justify allocating the space for it or 
maybe like the THC percentages don't hit to where the market wants it. You know, the people that don't care about that don't care, but maybe it's not able to, to score on that where the market wants it. But it's like everyone has these these flavors that they got under their control for one reason or another, they're unable to put out to the market. Do you have any of those that you just like absolutely love, but it's just not viable one way or another to put out on the market? Too many of them, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> we, you know, and we take pride in offering very select, you know, uh, profiles and, and unique products. Um, so at the end of the day, it doesn't necessarily prevent us from going to market with them and just, uh, you know, I have to work the back end to make sure that I'm, you know, we're making enough money to stay afloat in other areas if, if necessary. Um, but the lemon peel is a, a difficult one to grow. It can range from three to 4%. You know, we do okay at 4%, 3%. It's um, keeping the lights on, you know, barely. Um, the peach flambe uh, is another great one. Um, we backed off pretty dramatically. Uh, and it, it's too bad because I'm now starting to get a really great profile out of it. Um, and I'm sure it is something that the market will see here at one point. Um, but it, it's just sub 2%. It's pretty painful to grow, you know. Uh, and then that Manischewitz. Those are probably the three most notable um, currently on the, on the list. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, shy away from something if it's got a good profile and you know i'm a smoker from you know by trade i guess so I, uh, if i like it it goes you know what I mean? absolutely <laughs> figure out the money half of it on the other end you know absolutely i, I like that because I, I just know everybody everybody's got at least one and there's been a couple when i've gone to grows and you know sampled them like what happened to this They're like man it doesn't yield for shit and i'm like bro that was the best cut of whatever i'd ever had like fucking sell it Mark it up five, but you know, I don't even care. I'd pay for it, man. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, um, and and two on that, like strains, what what do you feel like are some of the trends that people in the market are really like looking for? Is it things that regardless of the name or the lineage have that unique flavor profile? Is it the hype strains? Is it like the legacy land race strains? Like what do you notice any trends of what kind of consumers and shops kind of cater to, to purchasing or hyping more? You know, I, I'd say it's pretty common right now. It is, um, as far as like the way we get orders from stores, we don't, don't have enough product, obviously, to let them do a whole lot of selection at the end of the day either. Um, but, you know, we've seen the big hype, obviously, around all the cookie genetics um, and anything related to gelatos or sherbets or, you know, um, things along those lines. Um, we found a couple of winners that come from that cloth that we will are, are rocking and will continue to rock and uh, put into our lineup. Um, I know that we're now starting to see a little bit more of a wide range open up of uh, profiles from other breeders. Um, you know, one that I know is becoming uh, very popular it has been popular, but is uh, now becoming more more mainstream, especially in Washington State. Um, is like the papaya, straw guava, guava Z, um, a lot of the Bloom Seed Co. and Oni Seed Co. Uh, shout out to those guys; they've been doing a great job, as well as Masonic for you know breeding um, some good hashers and good you know really awesome unique profiles. Um, but they're a little bit outside of your traditional you know cookie hyped up stuff. Um, you know, the, the land race stuff, I think you're going to start seeing more of it, um, you know, regardless of whether or not the market recognizes where these genetics are coming from or uh, what the background to them um, is necessarily. 
there are some incredibly unique profiles coming from more of the uh, older generation of breeders that have done really good work to find really unique varieties um, that come from land race crosses, um, essentially. So, you know, my opinion is I hope that the market uh, changes to caring more about the profile um, and the diversity, you know, within the genetics that, you know, we're bringing to market versus, you know, what came from who and the hype around, you know, a specific set of lineage because at the end of the day, you know, things are going to get quite boring if we're all growing and smoking the same stuff, you know. Um, but I, I do think that that is already starting to happen. You know, the, the market's definitely shifted to fruitier profiles right now. Um, and I think that they're going to, whether they realize it or not, start to enjoy some very unique profiles coming from your land race and older breeding, you know, crowd, if you will. Yeah, that's yeah. We we got to get some of that the old school man, the old school back here to, to balance out the hype, the hype stuff a little bit. Um, and what you know, my my take again as an outsider, like looking at California, because I work in you know working and and moving and out a lot of different markets. Like THC chasers exist everywhere. It exists in California, I'd say almost worse than anywhere else, which is ironic because I'd also say California is like the most mature market in terms of consumers. I feel like their palate is really mature on a wider level. But in Washington, at least like in flower, it seems like the mid shelf is where people are most THC conscious. And like our craft consumers in Washington, they don't really give a fuck. Like you'll see a lot of top shelf flower in Washington be like 17% THC and still sell out. Whereas like that would never fly in California. Do you, do you notice something similar in rosin and, and the concentrate market? You know, I'd say as a, in the broad concentrate market, yes. Um, the rosin market, not so much. I'd have to agree with you on, you know, that same perspective. You know, uh, rosin's never going to get as high as BHO, right? It just yeah. doesn't necessarily happen because it's a chem it's a alchemy. It's not chemistry. We're not chemically stripping, you know, the THC from the plant um, and terpenes as well for that matter. Um, most of our clientele is, you know, they can't even look at our product. So I was going to say they base a lot of it off of, off of look, um, but you can't see, you know, in our jars prior to purchase, but um, you know, what they're, they are looking for, I think uh, primarily is when they try it, whether it's got a high THC percentage or not, does it have a good flavor? Does it have a good nose? Does it have a good consistency and doesn't get me high? You know what I mean? Um, and you know, different people enjoy different levels of getting, you know, lit. So, I, I respect that. I don't think that everything needs to like send you right off the, off the bridge. You know, some, some working dabs aren't a bad thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, um, outside of rosin, I would say that's probably very commonplace with a lot of the hydrocarbon, you know, everything's got to hit 90 something percent or people don't want to look at it. You know, they want, want a heavy bang for their buck is what I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that because obviously rosin fits for me, fits into that, that upper echelon smoke. The person that smokes rosin likely probably smokes high quality flour as well. And like, doesn't give a fuck about THC. It's more about the flavor and the high. And we all know, like, you know, I don't ever look, I never get a certain level of high and look at the THC percentage and be like, mm, that's why, you know, that's <laughs> yeah, right. No kidding, man. Oh, that's funny. So what, how do you feel like is the, like, what's the current state of just the 502 market in, in Washington? Do you feel like it's, 
it's healthy. I know a lot of people, there's a lot of talk, oh, the market's down. You know, personally, I've said this quite a bit of times. I think anybody that based their sales numbers off the last two years was fucking up out the gate because we just had an anomaly of money, you know, money financially and just situationally the last two years. I, I don't think that was an accurate forecast, but, you know, a lot of people are run for the hills. The market's down. I'm just curious, like, what, what are you seeing out there in the market, whether it's you know, sales volume or just kind of consumer maturity. You think the consumer is starting to, to cater more to rosin and that's becoming a wider, like a wider thing. What, what kind of trends are you seeing in the market? Yeah, no, I, I would say so. I think that um, as the market gets more educated as well as um, even some of the uh, lower quality rosins that are on the shelf dip in price, they can start to pick off some of the um, clientele that are going to the store, you know, primarily for higher priced, you know, hydrocarbon and, and live resin, um, further kind of depressing that market to some degree. Um, I do believe that the market as a whole, um, I've had this conversation a few times in the last few weeks, um, is dipping down, um, understandably at the end of the day, the economy as a whole right now, as we all know, is, uh, in flux. And when, you know, it's one thing when people are sitting at home, you know, collecting unemployment or getting a check deposited in their bank for whatever reason, um, and everything's about the same price, uh, they don't have any issue spending a little extra money or, you know, buying a lot of smoke, right? That's not, that hasn't been an issue, obviously, in the last two years. Uh, but I, I think as we see the price of food rise and the price of gas rise uh, significantly, uh, people are really looking at the same paycheck differently, right? Hmm. Um, and I think we've been really lucky, you know, uh, the position that FUBU is in um, and being able to release and sell out so quickly. Um, you know, I, I've talked to my guys about this uh, also in the last few weeks. We're going to be very cautious in the way we scale. I think one of the worst things I could do right now is probably overscale my business, both to flood the market with product um, as well as uh, overextend myself for my my operation costs on a monthly basis any any further um, with the you know general climate economic climate kind of going the way it is um, I, I hope it turns around I hope you know there's continued policy adjustments that allow us to maybe make a little bit bigger margins but um, it's been you know it's been a rough road you know for myself and for a lot of other guys and it's probably not going to get any easier at least for the next couple of years you know with the current economic climate um but i i do see a little bit of reprieve you know we're, we're watching licenses go um honestly at a third or less of what they were selling for a couple months ago uh can't you know licenses to produce cannabis a big portion of that was uh, a lot of there's been a lot of consolidation and success in the last two years um massive overproduction of outdoor product last season um which is, you know, made the lower rungs of product available in the state insanely cheap, cheaper than I have, would ever, you know, thought could be possible. And I'm sure a huge amount of it amounts to uh, people needing to liquidate the product that they have on hand, whether or not that make it's profitable to do so, needing to get out from underneath it and get out, you know what I mean? Um, and I think that, that, you know, we're gonna see a constant wave um, in this industry due to stuff like that you know i think we're gonna we're watching the product you know collapse right now on, on the uh market um i'd be willing to bet it probably will stabilize a little bit for a while you know say 
um, nationally it got descheduled. And next thing you know, all these guys are able to get big loans. Um, you might see a lot of, you know, quick expansion in our market and then the same thing happen. You know, it could result mm-hmm. in a of overproduction and then therefore liquidation to pay back those loans that, you know, appear and um, resulting in them, you know, bottom bottoming out of the market, you know. And I think I'm once again, I think our, our company and myself are very fortunate because we don't have a huge footprint. You know, my operating cost isn't extremely high. I get in the garden myself. I get in the washroom myself. Um, the crew that I have is very lean, experienced, and uh, efficient. You know, um, so we're able to, you know, operate very very close to the gun, if you will, to make sure that you know we don't get priced out during that or you know, like I said, overproduce. So. And being as, because you run your your Instagram, right? Like you personally run it? Uh, I, I check in on it, but no, honestly, Hunter um, runs the Instagram and the social media. So okay. Winning personality. <laughs> but uh, so being at least somewhat overseeing Instagram and obviously being involved with, with, with the company, the level you are, what pockets or cities or areas around the state of Washington do you feel like the most like is the most heady like where are the heads really centered at around the state of washington god that's a hard question man i'd say we got heady heady fools all throughout this state man it's uh it's pretty cool to see on uh you know people pinging in on social media like you said i i I get that where that's going now um you know first we just started with the i-5 corridor you know kind of operating tight to the everett seattle area a couple of you know outliers here and there and funny enough, those outliers uh, do almost as good or better than any of the inner city guys. Um, so there are a couple of very key uh, staple inner city stores that do impeccably well, um, that are known for carrying quality rosin and quality products. And those those stores, um, you know, move quite a bit of our, our material. But uh, we've just started to make our way out to Eastern Washington, Spokane, um, down south towards Vancouver and you know, up north towards uh, Bellingham and Blaine. Um, and everybody kills it everywhere, man. It doesn't seem to be a shortage of, uh, of guys willing to, you know, come out of the woodwork and get our product. And it's, it's awesome to see. It's really, really cool to see. But So I, I couldn't really focus down on an area for you, man. I, uh, not even because I'm afraid of picking favorites. I just think that there's a – we got guys from here to, you know, Pullman uh, that enjoy enjoy good stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's there's heads everywhere. Yeah, that, that's why as I asked that, I, I to be honest, in my mind, I thought that there would be like, oh, like, I don't know, Tacoma or some random spot. Would be like, that's where like the most heads are at. But as I as you were answering that, I was thinking about flour and I was like, I, I guess there are like because like I was telling you, I'm not the biggest concentrate guy. I'm a flour guy. But even thinking of like where, you know, it's like man, people are smoking good weed everywhere. Like, I don't know. There, there's always congregations and groups all over the place. It's yeah, it's 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 funny. So when when did you guys you just started expanding out to the, the eastern side of the state recently? You said yeah, I think we just had one drop out there um, in Spokane and a couple of stores in between uh, Wenatchee, Yakima, and I know we've been catering to like Yakima um, a little bit, um, but now we're finally starting to make our way kind of across the entire state. One thing we're we're working on right now is uh, doing regional drops um, and reason being is I don't necessarily feel comfortable sending our product um, in one of the transport companies. Uh, Not to say that they, you know, have any, you know, mess ups or anything like that. I just, I 
would rather it get handled under our house unless I have the ability to like truly pack the material in coolers with ice packs and disposable, you know, what have you, which I, I currently just, you know, I'm not, not at that point. Um, so what we can do, and I, and I also enjoy myself, Hunter Monday, um, and the crew enjoy, you know, going in and meeting with the bud tenders and the buyers and, you know, the owners of the companies when we go out there and make these deliveries, which is also, I think, an invaluable thing because those guys, you know, keep the world spinning for us effectively. Um, and I can't tell them, you know, how much I appreciate how, how hard a lot of these guys sell our products because if they weren't behind it, this whole thing still wouldn't exist essentially. Um, but yeah, we're going to do regional drops in order to with without having to expand to a large delivery and fulfillment team you know our small team can kind of you know week by week make sure that we are catering our deliveries to the area and making sure that the product shows up in the state that it deserves to be for those clients you know i love i mean yeah when you're looking at a product like your guys where it's really focused on the quality that makes sense and then also a lot of these bud tenders, I mean, I'm sure you, I don't got to tell you, a lot of these bud tenders are some of the people that are smoking, you know, they're smoking and enjoying this probably at the, at the highest level and them enjoying it and transpiring that to the consumer is what helps move it. So you've been able to build that relationship, educate them, or at least just get the feedback from them, I'm sure is just invaluable. Oh, definitely. It's, um, it's really cool. Honestly, the, the love that all these bud tenders and buyers show, as well as owners for that matter, um, our product. Uh, and how excited they get when we walk in the door. I mean, it, it blows my mind, man, when I come through the door and I'll have like, you know, a guy in front of me and a guy behind me making deliveries and everybody turns and goes, the Fugu's here when we're walk, you know, coming in, man. I just like, I, I once again, don't like to toot our own or nothing, but fuck, dude, it's such an awesome feeling um, to see that type of excitement when, when we come in, you know. Uh, and it, I, I, lo I love doing it. It's fulfilling as heck. It's motivating um, as well as I enjoy, like I said, you know, just building relationships with those people. You know, it's it, they, they support us. I want them to feel like we support them as well and that they, you know, we've got their back. Uh, with that being said, guys, I'm, I'm working really hard. I'm going to get you all swag ASAP, all right? We're getting getting some shirts done to start, you know, so I can get all, all you bud tenders laced up the way you deserve. So. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Shout out to those bud tenders and buyers, man. That's that's love. That's love for them. What 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 else does Fugu got coming out uh, for the rest of 2022, man? Shoot, you know, um, we're working diligently to expand our lineup right now. Um, with all the excitement going on, like I said, I want to get a couple of different levels of rosin out to the people. You know, do some full melt. Um, we've been R and D in the carts with my boy, uh, John over at Kung Fu Vapes. Appreciate the love, my friend, you know, shout out to him. Uh, we've been working, uh, with show Cannon FTG to get some gummies, uh, under the FUBU brand going as well right now. Uh, just, uh, just wrapping up R and D and submitting the recipe, I believe with the LCB on that stuff. I just need to get the packaging finished and get it submitted and hopefully we'll be having both vape carts and gummies. Um, at least in the near future, you know, prior to the conclusion of this year. Um, I also have a couple of other projects that I'm currently working on with the team. Uh, we are in the process of uh, taking control over um, Green Rush and Common Roots, uh, which is actually a hydrocarbon and flower line, as well as uh, some pre-rolled joints. And we're, we're also going to, you know, continue to up their quality of rosin that they sell as well. Um, 
so you know if anybody's you know purchasing products from those you know price points or those SKUs, please I encourage you to go out and try them. You know, and if you have any feedback, send it to the Green Rush or Common Roots Instagram. I'd love to hear it. Um, we'll probably will debut another brand as well um, through that company uh, in the near future. Um, I also have a wonderful partner of mine um, that is a very uh, renowned restaurateur um, in Pioneer Square. Um, owns a very famous restaurant uh, that is working with me to. Um, it's actually the one you know who's going to be the owner of Green Rush and Common Roots, uh, developing a very boutique um, and craft uh, edible program um, that'll both cater to uh, brands that we're going to create with him. You know some of the Fugu Farm stuff, and as well as Green Rush and Common Roots. Um, so I'd say those are you know, probably the big things that hopefully I'm, I'm just just a few just a few moves, man. Just a few. <laughs> and like I said, man, if it wasn't for this group, you know, I wouldn't be out here able to conquer the world the way we have, you know. Um, and I, regardless of how it sounds, I am trying to keep our expansion relatively modest so that we can, uh, you know, continue to bring you guys the quality and and uh, and craft, you know stuff that everybody deserves and really enjoy bringing so I, I love that man and, and you know for the people out there that want one more information or tap in at fugu farms on instagram f-u-g-u farms on instagram anything else you want to plug before i get you up out of here seth i think that's about it man shout out to yourself i really appreciate the time today this is a very enjoyable uh podcast my friend so anytime you guys want to have me back on just shoot me a link and i'm here so Awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you. This is the RMR Podcast, man. We'll be back with more content this week.